Carly in the house. Baby standing here with us. Say what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrell got his little boy with him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone. So we got two parents and one to be parent here tonight. Kim is pregnant. You're doing two, two months, three months, two and a half. Awesome. Kim, will you bring it down just a little bit, please? Okay, baby, say it before after service. Told us save for after service. Praise the Lord. What's today's date, y'all? Father, we just thank you right now. We thank you because we know all good and all perfect, every good and every perfect gift comes from you. We thank you for every good and perfect gift you have given us. We thank you for all the good and perfect gifts that you are bringing to us. And we thank you that you are a good daddy who loves us and knows what we need before we even ask. So Father, I ask that you speak through me tonight for your people, for you know what they need. I ask that this message is for everyone in the house. And ask that through this message, Lord, your will will be done in their lives. You will have power and you will have authority and dominion over all of their circumstances. We thank you that you are king and you're ruler of all the earth and all the heavens. And we thank you that there is no one like Jesus Christ. And that he paid a, a phenomenal price, a, a price that cannot be paid back for our lives. So we bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk about thoughts tonight and uh we'll get out of here you guys ready i get excited about the word of god because it's so real it's so alive if you really take hold of it it'll change you it'll help you think differently and if you're willing to think differently other things around you will change everything it's in Romans 12, 1 and 2, but in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may see or that you may know what is the good, perfect and acceptable will of the Lord. So we can't even know what is good from God, what is perfect from God and what's acceptable from God unless our minds are renewed. Unless we have this soul changed for his glory, for his kingdom. So we need to change. Constantly. We need to think differently constantly. Do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word transform means to like, metamorphosis. What that means is it's a complete changing entirely. Spirit, soul, body, everything associated with, with what is being transformed. The only way to have something transformed according to the word of God 
is by renewing your mind. What we renew our mind to is the word of God, his truth, his precepts, his law. But think about how powerful this is. If we change our mind and transformation means metamorphosis and that means everything about us changes. If we want something changed in our mind or changed in our lives, we must change what we think. We must change what we know. We must change that first. And actually, that is the only that's the only part outside of walking and what was changed. But once you change your mind or once the mind is renewed, everything else falls into place. Okay. So our our thoughts have power. This soul, you know, do you guys know that your spirit and your soul are two different things, right? Everybody know that your spirit and your soul are two different things. Your soul rests here and your spirit is here. So your soul is in your the function of your brain or in your mind. And then your spirit is where your heart would rest. This is your soul. This is your spirit. This is your soul. This is what's on top of your head. Okay, so this is what has to be renewed. This is what has to be transformed. The spirit is already pure and perfect. Just just remember it for the end and then I'll take questions at the end. The spirit's already perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. It already has all of God, the perfect one, the one who's already created you, the one that created all the, the heavens, all the earth, everything that is, we see is inside of you. But this mind, this soul, is everything that you are or who you presume to be or who you think you are. So in your soul, you have reasoning or your intellect. You have your will and choice. You have your emotions and fears. And you have your affections, your love. Those are the functions of your soul. And that makes up who you are. When God created Adam in the garden, his spirit was breathing to the man. It didn't say he breathed the soul into the man. It's the spirit that he breathed. The spirit and the soul coming, the spirit and the, the flesh or the body coming together formed the soul and who God intended us to be from the beginning or before the foundations of this earth. It's who we are. Okay. Our thoughts have power over our destiny. Our thoughts have power over our future. So what you think you become. We've all heard this before, right? What you meditate on is what manifests. So what are our thoughts? What do we think on? What is flowing through this mind? What is flowing through this soul on a continuous basis? Is it I'm a failure? I'll never get past this. This is the hardest thing of my life. No one understands me. I'm ugly. What is flowing through that mind? Or is it I'm a child of God? God loves me. I'm beautiful. I'm successful. I'm prosperous. Our thoughts have that much power. Your thoughts have the power to create a life or destroy a life around you. So your thoughts create habits. And your habits create character. So what is your character? Do you have the character of Christ or do you have the character of yourself? How many people know that once you give your heart to Jesus, it's no longer you who lives? Really, like. He gives you the choice to allow him to live through you. But you can decide to still live your own way. That's why we see so many, quote unquote, hypocritical Christians. 
because they've given their heart to Christ, but they haven't given their soul. They haven't given who they are. So all this, like I said, is already pure. It's already reconciled back to heaven. It's reconciled back to God right here. But these, this, this, these thoughts, this mind, the soul has to be renewed into the likeness of Christ. How do we do that? How do I truly surrender to God? How? How do you even surrender to somebody you don't even know? First, it's by faith, though. The, 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 the beginning of surrendering yourself is by faith through the spirit because you heard the word of truth. It said, how can, how can somebody receive salvation if no one has preached? How can someone preach if they're not sent? So essentially, there's a course that takes God sends somebody to preach to somebody in order for them to hear the word so they can hear the word to believe. But after they believe, what are the next steps? This is where I believe we're failing holistically as, a body of, as the body of Christ. No one is teaching no one how to grow up in God. You have a bunch of babies running around with bottles in their hands. They're getting milk because they're going to church on Sunday, but they're not being transformed. No one's being changed. And they go year after year in the same rotation. Year after year, still angry. Year after year, still mad. Year after year, still in judgment. When God already took the judgment through Jesus Christ. Meaning when I say judgment, still caring about what people think about them. If you gave everything that you were to God, why does it matter what anybody else thinks anyway? It don't matter. Trust me, I'd rather be judged by him than to be judged by man. And man going to judge you but have no power to do anything to you. But if you really give this over, this soul, you can tremendously see your, your life change. There are so many moments in my life where just because I said, God, I surrender to you, just like the last song, he really started to move on my behalf. When I literally stepped out of the way, out of my own body, and said, I can't do this, this is when he stepped in because I got out of the way. So we must know that when we come to Christ, it's not just the receiving of the spirit. It's the renewing of the mind, the renewing of the soul. And in the renewing of the soul, it's a constant and continual surrenderance to his will. And his will is his word. And you can't surrender to something you do not know. You cannot surrender to something you do not spend time with. That's why I think it's so important when we, we, we help pray people into the kingdom that we teach them what the process is. Just because you have the warms and fuzzies, that's good and all. It's, it's a nice honeymoon. But what's next? Because those warm and fuzzies go away. And the honeymoon stage will fade. It'll come back around, but it's going to fade. And you don't want to see somebody back in the same situation or circumstance that they were in before they got saved. Because they haven't renewed this. Because they haven't surrendered this over to God. Do we even say, who's out who vocally says, God, I surrender this day to you. Lord, I give this day to you. Lead me today. I have to constantly say that. Because it's not my life no more. If it was, it'd be a lot different and it'd be a lot worse because I remember what it was when I was in the, on the other side. How many people remember that when we were on the other side and we thought we were happy? We thought we had joy, but everything we touched failed. And if it didn't fail, it brought us to a place where we thought we were on top of the world and then it failed and we crashed and we had no hope. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. In faith, this is the word, this is what the word says. It says, Faith is the evidence. No, faith is the substance. You know what the word substance can mean? It can mean person. 
So faith is Jesus Christ. He is our person of substance. So I can't even have faith without Jesus Christ. I can't even have my soul changed without Jesus. I literally can't do anything when I come to him in faith without him. The real question is, where do we want to go? How do we want to be changed? Why do we want to be changed? How many people have the, the perfect life in here? The moment you hit the perfect life in the spirit, God is going to take you. Because you've accomplished what he's asked you to accomplish on earth. And what I mean when I say perfect, I, that, the word perfect means consummation, means whole. You know that, right? When something comes together and it's finished. That's what he said when he was on the cross. It is finished. It was consummated. What he was sent to do was consummated. It was done. There was nothing else more for him to do. So when I say perfect, that means there's a fullness of joy. And you have touched the lives God has asked you to touch. And then you know you can actually not die and still go to heaven, right? Happened twice in the Bible. Did y'all know that? Enoch. And then also Elijah. They were so close to God that he took them. They didn't even see death. So you can get to a place in God where you don't even experience death. He'll just take you. Okay. So our thoughts create habits. And our habits create a behavior. And our behavior creates a character. Okay. I want to have the character of Christ. The only way you can have the character of Christ is if you read, you spend time, you worship. How many can say they really dedicate time worshiping God? Not, not outside, not, not just in the church, but on your own time. Literally singing praises unto his name. Out loud, not just humming to the beat, not just humming to the song, literally declaring his praise. You know, the word says that uh, let the people praise you. Let the people praise you or let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase unto you. So when we praise and worship God, there's an increase coming to us. And the word for, for the world is very similar to the word dust or dirt that was, that was what formed the man. So the more we worship or when we're in worship, God is causing an increase to come from somebody, a man, to pour into our bosom. God can have stuff come out of the clouds. He did it with the Israelites manna from heaven, quail, all this different stuff. He can do it. But he really wants you to live by faith. People don't want to live by faith. You know why? It's hard. It's tough. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance and the evidence. We got to believe something we can't see. To live by faith is not easy. I don't want to butcher that scripture anymore. Next time I, I reference it, I'm going to have it pulled up. A lot of people don't want to live by faith. Faith takes you to a place in God that nothing else can take you. Faith and grace, we have teachings on it. It's called the twin powers. Once you understand faith, God's going to allow, allow grace to operate on your behalf. That means God is going to do it for you. That's what grace is. That's why it says that we cannot receive, a, receive salvation by faith. I mean, by works. It's only by through grace. Because if it's by works, man can get the glory. We want God's grace working in our lives. We want to be changed continually by God's grace. How many people try to change? I try to change every, every moment. But it's really the, the change that is eternal is the change that's from heaven, the change that comes from God. 
That don't mean don't go out and read. That don't mean that don't study good books and uh, spend time. But really focus on getting close to God and watch how he changes you. It's his presence that changes you. I like to equate it to this, and this, this by no way gives it justice to God's presence. But when I decided to really live for God, because I was a carnal Christian for a long time. I was a person that believed but still lived in the world. You know, that's what it means, a carnal. Carnal means one day you live for God, and the next day you're living for the world. And there's so many ways we live by the world. Basically, when you live for the world, you're declaring its kingship. Declaring its kingship, meaning you're talking like them, you're walking like them, you're acting like them. Saturday night, I asked, I asked the only Miss Mary was here. I said, who all still curses? About four people raised their hand. I, I commend them for their honesty. But you know what a, what a curse means? A curse means absence of life. So if we open up our mouth and we still curse, we're inviting death into our life. And here's the sad thing about the, the demonic kingdom or the dark kingdom. Once you release power over to it, you have no control. Meaning, I can invite death into my life, and I don't know what area it's going to hit. I literally have handed it over just by what I say. So when you're in carnality, you're handing your life over to somebody who just wants to destroy it. And what people don't really see how the enemy is so crafty, the moment you step away from God, there is an increase in your life. And you say, I wasn't seeing this, or you notice there's a difference. And it causes you to think differently in a sense, well, I can keep doing this because I'm blessed. But all it's doing is puffing you up in the flesh. And the purpose of that is to get you so far away from God, so like non-knowing of God, that when you fall, you won't know where to turn. You have lost track of where you were. That means that to be carnal means to have enmity against God. Enmity is like distress. It's fighting something. It's opposed. It doesn't want to have nothing to do with God. Just being carnal puts you at enmity with God. Meaning living for the world one day and living for God the next. Or living for the world one moment. I've done that many times. Saying, Lord, I'm a change. You know how you hit a hard circumstance? Lord, if you get me out of this, uh, I'll never do it again. And then the next day, when, when, when he lifts the distress off of you, you know you can feel it lift off of you? When he lit, when it lifts, it's like you forgot that you even asked him to do it for you. You know, if you make a vow with God, he's going to hold you to that vow. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, if you, if you make a vow with God and you, don't, and you break that vow, you're literally inviting destruction into your life. And the destruction is the torment of your soul because you you made a covenant with Almighty. And Almighty is the one who has the power to allow you to live or to die. I'm not saying God's going to kill you off, but I mean, do you get what I'm saying? He can really turn, the, turn you over to the enemy. None of us want to be turned over to the enemy. We want to be saved by grace, and we want God's mercy to operate in our lives. Okay, so our thoughts create our habits. Our habits form our behavior, and our behavior creates our character. So our thoughts need to be on God. So we can become like God habitually, but not habitually like not knowing, just doing something in mundaneness. I mean, habitually, like I'm going to get up and I'm going to worship God this morning because I love him, because he loves me, because I want him to know that I, I think about him first. 
And then they form our behavior. When we, when we have a behavior that's created, it's going to form who we really are. I love saying like this. When we come to Christ, everything that we thought we were before that is non-existent. It says, old things have passed away, all things have become new. It says, you are a new creation. So I don't even know who I am after I come to Christ. But I think I do because of all the years spent as another person. So the things we think we enjoy, we don't really necessarily enjoy because we don't know if God has called us to that. That can be one of the hardest things. That can be one of the hardest things. That's why some people don't understand that when somebody has a true conversion, how they can just drop, they can just stop from doing something immediately. How they can just literally be done with something. Like out of, out of nowhere, it's like what happened? One moment they're on fire for this, next moment they're not. It's because the place that that item had in their heart, God has filled it. And it doesn't satisfy them or they were just not intended to do it. I think about how much time I used to spend playing basketball. I think about how much time I used to spend chasing women. I think about that a lot because I see how God replaced it with his spirit and with his love. I, did, I could not do that. Guy, I could talk about cursing because I was a sailor for a curser. I was the worst of the worst. Every word I said was a curse word. And I was an intelligent person. It wasn't because I was ignorant. I just chose to talk like that. I knew how to express myself, but I still chose to cuss. But God literally delivered me in an instant, twice in my life. I want y'all to know that he, he delivered me twice in an instant. The very first time when I committed my spirit to him and I wanted to work out salvation. And the second time when I had my conversion where I said, I'm going to live completely for God. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm not going to be carnal. It, it was like, I never cursed a day in my life. You can ask Tori. She can be my witness. I, I, I was silly. Long story short, to be nice, God literally changed me. But I made a choice to really surrender, to have this mind changed. We can get so tired of doing the same thing over and over again. And you know what? We don't, we don't see results, but we still keep doing it. And we're thinking we're progressing or we just have opposition or something. We have to fight through it. No. Sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes God is calling us in another direction. God doesn't put pressure on anybody. I want you to know that. Um, me and Tori were watching this um, conference online, and a woman went to heaven. And I, I'm very cautious every time I hear somebody talking about going to heaven. Um, but I really listened. And she talked about what God prayed for or Jesus prays for. Because, you know, Jesus is our high priest, makes intercession for us. And he said, I don't pray for people to be healed. I don't pray for people to receive me or receive salvation. He said, that is already done. That's what I came for. I came so that they can have that freely. What I pray for is that I pray for their faith or that their faith should remain or that their faith be strong. God prays for that because that's a choice to live by faith. Once you receive Christ, you don't have to do anything. Salvation is there. Healing is there. We have seen great manifestations of people being healed instantly. Not because of anything we've done. Just because it was available and Tori and I was just ready to pray for somebody. We allowed God to use us. That's just it. And trust me, the fear of the Lord is on me every time I pray for somebody. Every time. 
And my reason is because you really have to hear from God. We can't, I do like zealousness. I, I do like this being lost and rogue for God. But you have to know the timings of God. And you have to move with his spirit. It says the sons are led by the spirit. So I don't try to do anything unless the spirit leads me. And we still got to know his voice. You got to learn these things. Just like when you're dating somebody or when you're married. If you're in a crowd and your husband's way over here and you say his name, don't you know he's going to turn around? Because he recognizes your voice. He only recognizes his voice because of time spent. Because you, you spent time with him. He knows your voice distinctly. We can't know the voice of the Holy Spirit. We can't know the voice of the Father. We can't know the voice of Jesus Christ if we don't spend time with him. And yes, they are three different in one. They are. I talk to them all separately and I talk to them all as one. I do. It's in 1 John. It said there are three that, that agree in heaven. And those three are one. Okay. So we want the character of Christ. We cannot have the character of Christ if we don't spend time with him. If we don't make it a priority. Trust me, I have to check myself daily, y'all. Because it's so easy in this world to get, get, and have, to get and to have your own agenda. Right when you wake up, you can say, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. But the first thing we should do always is commit it to him and spend time with him. I think about when I wake up in the bed with my wife, the first thing I want to do Good morning, honey, and kiss her. It should be the same thing with God. The moment you wake up, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. You should even want to kiss them and even do that. You can get that intimate with God. You can. And your kisses are really in worship because that's true intimacy. Worship. I'm talking about intimacy, knowing somebody. Okay, another thing your thoughts do. Your thoughts, which is what we teach here, your thoughts form your words. And your words form your world. So what I, what I think on, I am going to speak. I'm telling you, when I had a hard time losing weight, I kept saying, I'm having a hard time losing this weight. I did everything I knew in my own strength to lose weight, y'all. I am telling you, and I know every way to lose it. I've done everything. Every diet, every workout, every, every, I've done everything. I, I, I tried everything. I would even fast. And I was committed to the Lord, but my mind wasn't changed. I felt like I had to do it in my own efforts. You know, God wants to do it for us. He really does. He knows the desires of our hearts. This is how he reveals himself as God. By showing you that he has the power to do things that you cannot do. And in an instant. So I tried all this stuff. And then when I was trying all this stuff, I was gaining weight. Like I wouldn't eat. It got to the point where my diet was, I'm just not going to eat, bump it. I'm going to lose this weight somehow. I may lose a pound here, five pounds here. And then before you know it, I gained it back plus some. See, my, mom was, not my, my heart was right about it. I know we're supposed to portray the kingdom the right way. We, the days are over where the pastors are 500 pounds, 600 pounds, and the belly's out to here. That's not the image and the likeness of God. I'm going to tell you who it is the image and likeness of. It's another God. And that God is not the real God. But the image and likeness of God is wholeness. 
It's peace. It's knowing the truth. He created us perfectly. Y'all know that in our mother's womb. And as we exited the mother's womb or as when we were sitting in the mother's womb, sin entered in because it's in the blood. So there are generational curses that hit our lives. There's a, there are curses that hit because of what people said. And then we come, out of the, we come out of the womb and we have those things, not by choice. And then when we become old enough to understand or know or to speak, we start inviting stuff in our life by what we say. God can reverse all of that. He will if you want him to. Okay, so I was talking about I was trying all this stuff to lose this weight. So I really got tired. I said, I'm just not going to do anything because obviously God has control. I actually got even tired of thinking about how I was going to lose weight. So I got up to about 285 pounds. This is the biggest I've ever been in my entire life. My entire life. And I was pretty big in high school. I was like 260 in the ninth grade. And, I, you know, ninth grade, you really don't have a ton of muscle. Some of those ninth graders got muscles like that now, but I didn't. I was just tall and I was big. And I lost a ton of weight. But the, it was the cares of the world that put weight on me. It was fear that put weight on me. And gluttony and poverty, not knowing where my next meal was going to come from, caused me to overindulge, to eat more than what I needed to eat. Worried about this. How I'm going to pay this bill? How I'm going to pay that? You know, weight is sin. So every bit of fear I had added pounds to me. Simple as day. So over time, I said, man, I got to lose this weight. I'm an ordained minister. God has called me to preach his word, to speak his word, to prophesy, to do all these awesome things in people's lives. But when they look at me, do they see the image of God? Now, I can be a little bit more crucial to myself because when I was 285 pounds, only some that seen me before knew I was heavier than what I used to be. But those that didn't, it was normal to them. So I knew I wasn't in the, the proper body that God has called me to. Okay? So I got, the Lord prompted me, and this is how you know to do a fast. He prompts you to do it. He puts it in your heart. You don't conjure it up in your mind. It's like the spirit witnesses to you. Okay, this is what you need to do. So I started this fast, um, and it was the easiest fast in the, in the natural meaning. It wasn't very difficult. It's like a progressive fast. Over time, it gets harder. But because you've done what you did in the first stages, it's easier when you get to the hardest phase. And it was like overnight. You guys, Tori, it was one day I was like 260 pounds, and the next day I was 230. It was crazy. When I say it was astronomical how fast I lost the weight, it was less than a month. And I was just like, there's no way. Not even a fast could do that. No way. I don't care what you do. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Now, granted, I had a lot of weight to lose, but I wasn't running and exercising. I really just committed it to God. And the reason I say this is because I'm talking about the mind. I'm talking about the renewing of the soul. The moment I decided to give it to God and knew that he was going to change it, God took control. Everything that I thought I had to do to lose weight, I gave up. I even gave, I literally gave away all my workout equipment, like weights. Stuff you would need to work out, lose weight. I gave away all my clothes that I was nice and slim in. And I was just like, Lord, you're going to have to do it, whatever it is. I was really moving in faith. It's like, you're going to have to change me. And after I lost the weight, this is what he told me. And this is what it means. It's Romans 12, 2. And it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then when I broke it down, it talked about when your mind changes, 
everything else changes. So I changed my thought on how I was to lose weight. My thought about losing weight is I had to do it. The thought I changed it to is that God will do it. Excuse me. God will do it if it's his will for me. He prompted me. I had a choice. He prompted me to fast. And I chose to do it. And then God started working this thing out. Seriously, I didn't do anything, y'all, except what I was instructed to do. And he said, because you obey and because you really gave it to me, I was able to do it a lot easier than you. You know how hard it is to lose 80 pounds? Y'all really want to know, I've lost 80 pounds before. You want to know how hard it is to lose 30 pounds? You want to know how hard it is to lose 10 pounds? It's not easy. The Holy Spirit has to do it. God has to do it. But this, where you guys, where we all are now, because this generation is not a generation that has to seek signs to believe God. God wants to show us that he's God by our obedience, by changing our mind. Now, don't get me, signs and wonders are wonderful. They're awesome. But true intimacy is having an encounter with God because you spent time with him. Not because he just had to swoop down and show you that he was God. I want to have an encounter with God every day. And every time I have an encounter with him, he shows me who he is. And every time he shows me who he is, I learn more so who I am. This not even, you know, these bodies are temporal. But you have a celestial body. Which means there is a body you're intended to have on earth. And it's comfortable for you. Meaning only you and God know what that is. And God will put you in that body. I struggle my entire, my entire life with my weight. I don't care what it's a generational curse. And the Lord broke it because that's not what I'm concerned with anymore. Thank you. Praise God. It was a generational curse. God is greater than all that. But we got to choose him. Are we really ready to give up everything for him? You ain't really giving up something until it hurts or until it's painful. Letting it go. I remember when I had to give up Tori. Probably the worst, probably the, the most difficult thing I ever had to do. Believing she was my wife, but not really sure that she is. I've been married. I've been messed up before. Choosing a mate or marrying somebody, hey, definitely not the easiest thing. Because sometimes you don't even see who the real person is until you get married. That's when, if you don't do it, quote unquote, God's way, he's going to, the veil will be lifted after you're married. But if you try to walk it out his way, I'm talking about uh, abstaining from sex. I'm talking about uh, not cohabitating, stuff like that. He can lift veils before then. We practiced and tried all that stuff. And the more we, we walked towards God, the harder it was to be holy. It was like everything that was in the world, everything that was in the flesh wanted us to gratify each other. But we had to stay firm. And as we stayed firm, God started showing us whether we were or we weren't, whether we were or we were not. And the funny thing was, when we were together, Tori was not my wife, the person that she was. And I wasn't her husband. The people that we were when we first got engaged, those two people were not who we were supposed to be married to. But over the course of time of sanctification and living for God, he formed and changed us. We were always meant to be together because that's what was written before the foundation. You know, your husband and your wife, the person, they were, they were you guys are knit together in heaven, spirit. You know, Adam and Eve were already one in the spirit before God created them in the natural. So the person 
that you're intended to be with is already one with you in spirit. But we got all this junk around us, all this, all these, these fleshly things that we can't match the pieces. But that was, that was difficult. And the moment I died, to my own way of thinking, to how, who I thought I was supposed to marry, I just said, Lord, you, I don't even care anymore. If she is, great. If she's not, you must got somebody that's off the chain. That's the joint for me. And Tori said the same thing. And I was like, ain't no way nobody better than me out here, babe. <laughs> but I was like, I must be your husband, but I got to figure out if you're my wife. Nah. But I mean, it's mine. It's the generator, y'all. No, it's the pr- producer of everything. This is the difference between life and death before you speak it. What you think on, what you meditate on, you will manifest one way or another. You know your body speaks. Your body communicates. Tori got one of the most awesome revelations. Somebody keep me up on time. Tori got the most awesome revelation. Okay, thank you. And um, the revelation was that when Jesus showed up on the scene, what, what was the word you called, baby? He made a declaration. Basically, I'm going to say it like this. I don't know the exact word. But every time Jesus showed up and there was a demon, he made a declaration that he was taking authority over that area, over that place. He, he, it wasn't like, um, but he was declaring something without saying something. Because every time the demons ran and threw themselves at his feet, he never called them to him. From what I can remember in the word. He, they would always run to him and say, Jesus, oh, son of David or son of God, what are you to do with us before this time? So obviously when he showed up in the body, in the spirit, he made a declaration. And the declaration hit them. And they had to respond. So what declaration are we making with our, with our temples? Is this a temple of the Holy Spirit? Or is this a temple of destruction? I made a lot of bad decisions, y'all, when I was when I was in the world. And I, I caused a lot of people and myself to have destruction in their life. It was not a temple of holiness. It was a temple of unholiness. And if you have the spirit of God inside of you, you have resurrection power. So everything you do has the power to raise something to life, whether it is death, destruction or ruin or whether it's life and peace. The power on the inside of you has the power to raise people from the dead or or circumstances or people's personalities. Have you noticed when some people get together and somebody has a seat of Christ on the inside of them, uh, the, the, the person that encounters the person that has a seat, they start acting different sometimes. And that can work good and bad sometimes. We got so much power on the inside of us we don't even know. Some, some of us should just start taking some risks with the power. I love praying for people. I don't love praying for them because um, I get to show them that I know God. I like praying for him because it's an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. Is God really going to do what I'm praying for? In my mind, I already know he will. But I mean, it's like he's going to do it. I like taking risks like that. We, I love talking about it because we just, it's, it's kind of our life now. We really do like praying for perfect strangers. And I really like hearing if God is talking to me about them. And then when they'd be like, you wouldn't, you can't even imagine everything you said is, is, is so, is so real. You don't even know me. The, one of the most recent experiences, I was praying for somebody in here. <laughs> Long story short, I'm praying for it. 
I don't know what I'm saying. Cause I'm like, Lord, do you really want me to, you know, God allows you to read in the spirit. So sometimes you can say something and not know why you're saying it, but it can be complete truth. I'm praying for this person and he's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, am I, I'm, I'm communicating with God as I'm talking in the natural. You know, you can do that. You have, you have two different senses. So you have your spiritual senses and your natural senses. But I'm talking to God and I'm talking to the per- or praying for the person. And he's saying all this. I'm like, Lord, do you want me to say this? Are you sure? So I'm saying what he's bringing to me. And I don't look to see if people cry. I don't look to see if any type of emotional reaction. So when I stepped back, I thought I was praying. She kind of like had a few tears. And I, was lo- I said, just let me hug you. And I hugged her. And um, after service, she was like, you really, you told me my whole entire life. And it was stuff I did. And it, was, it wasn't like I was reading, like telling you're a bad person or you don't need to be living like this. But I prayed for things that she had issues with. Like she's never told anybody. Zero people. No one knew about some of this stuff. I'm talking about personal stuff. And I was like, God, you know. But I moved out in faith. And I was just like, dang, that's so cool. God can talk to us to talk to people. He can speak to people through us. Or reason I say to this, some of us need to take risk. It's hard to take risk if you have fear up here. What would just happen if you just walked up on somebody you knew who was just having a devastating day? Hey, can I pray for you? You just never know what would happen. That person could receive Christ. I'm a ruby, if y'all know what rubies are. That's a, a ruby is somebody who likes challenge. I love that ideal that I can help bring somebody in the kingdom. Another one for God. Zero, one for Jesus, zero for the enemy. I'm like keeping score. Okay, so I say all this to say, I only got halfway through. Our thoughts form our world essentially because what we say is what we form around us. The power of life and death is on the tongue. What we say, we create. So we need to be declaring the right things, y'all. We should really have a declaration list in our life. We need to say what God has told us to say. That's the difference between hopes and dreams. You get up in the morning, you worship God, he tells you what to declare. Okay, we must be delivered from our old man or sinful ways. The way you get delivered, you know you can, you can be delivered in your personal time with God. God can reveal to you that something you're doing is not right. He reveals that through his word and through time spent with him. We have to be delivered. Deliverance is the children's bed. It's not a bad thing to be delivered. It is not. Every woman who has a baby will be delivered. It says it in, it says it in the word. But deliverance is for the children of God. So for children of God, we should look forward to being delivered because once we get delivered, there's another level of freedom that comes upon us. Our thoughts are not our own. I'm just basically closing out now. When you give your heart to God, when you give your life to Christ, you have two forces. You have the kingdom force, which is God's power, and you have the demonic force, which is the power of the enemy. Those two speak to you. So God is feeding you good words and enemy is feeding you negative or bad words or lustful words or prideful words or and their thoughts. So thoughts are the voice of a God. One is the big G God, which is Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And one is Satan, little G, the one who wants to be God, but he's not. So whatever thought we meditate on or whatever thought or whatever thought we receive becomes our thought. We don't generate our own thoughts. Even if you meditate in your heart, God is giving you the thoughts. Okay, you know how you can sit and try to think on something? 
depending, you can pull it from a source. Okay? So our thoughts are not our own. The battleground is the sound. <laughs> the battleground is the soul. Every battle, no pun intended, because my last name is Battle, is won in these areas. If you can win in here, you can win out here. We like we say this around here, peace is chief. If you can hold your peace, you're going to win the battle. And, and, and peace is the highest form of authority. If your peace cannot be shaken, you will not lose. And you're not going to lose anyway because Jesus won, won it all. But I mean, to, for it to manifest in your life, you have to hold your peace. So the battleground is here, in your soul, up here. The things you think on, the things you meditate on, how you receive thoughts. In our, in our life, and this is my last little point, reflects our mind or our soul. So what areas in our life are messed up or not whole? I'm telling you, I... I, I evaluate myself. There are areas in my life that need to be corrected, that needs to have order. So my soul or my life is a de- direct reflection of my life. I was getting this because I was struggling because fear was trying to jump on me because I didn't want to gain all the weight back that I lost. So you can get into a whole spin of things. So long story short, how I felt so you know how you can feel full if you eat? How I felt is how I imagined myself. It's called a complex. I learned this a long time ago. I could have lost 100 pounds and feel full and look as big as I thought I, in my mind. So what I meditate on or how my life is, is a direct reflection of what I think on. Do we all have the joy of the Lord in here? Are we really satisfied? Are we happy? Are we doing the things that God has called us to? Or are we just kind of going through the motions? If, you're, if your personality type is like mine, you're not satisfied with basic or with commonality or conformalism. You're always pushing. And when you don't see those things change, it can kind of put you in a slump. This is when you have to pull back and read, where have I, where have I erred God? Where have I sinned? And if I can identify where I was or where I was at, God is going to show me how to come out of that. And it's really just by surrendering it to him. Fear, anger, all that stuff. Man, I had to give it all to God. I tried in my own strength. I tried in my own strength. My own strength. I tried in my own strength delivering myself from perversion and lust. And I could not do it. It actually got worse. I tried hard. I ain't going to look at that girl. Your eyeballs get this big. I ain't going to look at her, give myself a headache because the flesh want to do what the flesh want to do. I try myself, I ain't going to touch Tori inappropriately. Every time I would say something like that, it was like I wanted to do it more. The flesh had his own mind. It's really when I said, God, I I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be holy. I want to be pure before you. I don't want to be defiled when I'm trying to worship you. You're going to have to change me. And I probably didn't say it like that. Fierce. I was like, God, you're going to have to change me. Very humbly. Can you imagine having to, people do it all the time, but I have the fear of the Lord. I'm, I don't want to offend God. Can you imagine trying to pray for some, a man trying to pray for, pray for a woman 
and gawking over her. It's not right. Actually, in heaven, there is no sex anyway. So if you're in the spirit, you don't see male or female. Or what, what, what is another word for gender? Not sex. We can use gender. All right. Our mind is very powerful. What do we want out of life? The only thing that's truly ever stayed with me out of my 28 years of life is the time I spent with God and what he showed me. That's the only thing that's ever remained. Everything else has died off. Everything has failed miserably a lot of times. But whatever God had put in his soul for me to be changed, that's what I've held on to. And it was not by my own strength. So your power that is in the soul has the capability to change your whole life. So what do we want to change? I like talking about it like this because we're going to come into a season where we can talk about what, what are the results of changing your mind? What are the blessings of it? What is, there are many blessings to changing your mind. Unwavering peace. Faith that can move mountains. Do we have any questions? Jarrell, I know you had one earlier. You remember? Okay. I'm going to pray that was quick. But we got to make a direct. He said he, didn't, he said he don't have it. He said uh, we just got to make a, uh, a decision to change. Let's worship God. Let's praise and worship God every day, every morning. Let's give him, the, let's give him three hours a day. God wants 10% of your day, just like you want 10% of your increase. That's about three hours. It's actually two hours and 40 minutes, but give them three hours. See, what, see how your life changes. Me and Tori just had a complete miracle happen to us today. I'll testify it one day. But all odds were against us, and we decided not to move on what God had showed us. God is getting our family in order. Every area from top down, spirit, soul, body, finances. So God hit our, our spirit first, hit our soul, hit our body. And now he's hitting the finances. Everything's getting in order. I had a complete miracle. Something that shouldn't have happened, happened today. But we, we give praise to God because it's only by him. It's not by what we do. We just surrender. And, we, and we're no different from you guys. And y'all are no different from us. We're no different from Gene Hall. We're no different from Libreon. Uh, God sees us all the same, although we're different people. He, he knows us individually. But I mean, like, if we really do this, spend time with God, he's not going to hold back. God don't dangle blessings like this. Now, he'll allow them to hang out here, but he's not like, eh, 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 and you're doing everything you're supposed to do. He wants to release the blessing because it says that, okay, I can really get into it because the blessing of God is what's going to, what's really going to draw people to him. Don't nobody want to see no messed up Christian? They don't. Don't nobody want to have nothing to do with no religion that ain't doing nothing for the people. It's the blessing that brings glory to the Father. When people see that your life is blessed. And he's always going to shape you inside before he shapes you outside. So if you think that you're going to have the manifestation of the blessing outside before you have the manifestation of it inside, you got it completely wrong. People need to see that you have peace before they see that you have provision. Because you'll never know if someone has peace until they don't have provision. They won't. 
until everything is against them. People calling them crazy. Everybody don't forsook them. How do you still have your peace and all that? People need to see that you can't be moved. And when God sees that you're faithful in the little, he's going to increase you. Guarantee it. I should have taught about this tonight. But we are, we, are, we are the elect, Christians, believers. The consummation of the age will not happen until the Gentiles that came into Christ evangelize the Gentiles that have not. Until there is a mass overflow of non-believers. And when the Jewish people see that people are coming to Christ, that's when the influx of the Jews are going to come. And God said he's drawing them through jealousy and envy. So that means we have to have more than what they have. They have to see that we're more blessed. The Jewish faith is prosperous and they have, they have children. According to the word, when somebody had a child or when they had many possessions and money, they were called and chosen by God and blessed by God. That's how they identified. If you were barren and you were poor, God ain't had nothing to do with you. So in order for, for, in order for the, the, that faith to come to Christ, we got to be over and abundant, whatever they have. And we got to be so joy-filled and so peace-filled that they, don't, they, they have no choice. Now, they are the elect. I said they're the elect. That race, God chose them for the foundation of to display his power, his love. But I mean, when we come to Christ, God has chosen us to do many great things and great exploits for him. Can you imagine being the generation that causes Jesus to leave his throne to descend on a cloud and to hear the trumpet sound? Can you imagine being the generation, the people that did that? And how when we ascend, when God, when he's descending, when we come up and we appear and we change in the blinking, the twinkling of an eye, can you imagine what it's going to be in heaven? Really, can you really think the people that Christ died for are now coming? To, the consummation is happening. And everybody, all those who believed, are ascending at the same time. Can you imagine what the world is going to think? Can you imagine still living and being a part of that? And all the angels are in complete worship. I, I can go into it for days because I want to be that generation. I don't want to see death. I don't. I don't. Only death I want to see is the death to the old man. But I want to be the, I want to be the generation. I want to be a general that causes people to be changed. And because they're changed, Christ comes back and gets his bride. Christ comes back and gets his church. And it's not because of, ele oh, maybe that's how he said it. It's because of selection or election. I don't know, I'll get into it next time, but it's too good. Just because God loves us and he chose us. That's why. So everybody can be in here, can be blessed because God said you're going to be blessed. It can't be nothing because of anything you did. And we got to receive that. Any more questions? All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, Daddy, we love you. Abba, we cry out to you and we thank you because you are holy and you are worthy and you're worthy of all praise. I thank you for tonight, Lord. I hope that your word is what you want it spoken. And in that, Father, they can take this word or that word and allow it to fall on good ground. And that ground can bear great fruit and many fruit. So allow our minds to be changed, allow our souls to be renewed for your likeness and your image and for your glory so that the world can see that we are your children and that you have called us and that we are blessed and that through jealousy and envy, they could be drawn to your son, Jesus Christ. 
the ruler, power, authority, and dominion over all things. So we love you today. We love you tonight. And we love you always. In Jesus' name, amen.